Well, it goes back even a week before uh, he was uh, shot, um, Mr Walker. He chased the police with an axe. You've seen uh, health workers, you know, under threat. That if you are, are going to highlight issues with, with uh, Black Lives Matter, then why isn't it that we're talking about the men and women and children in these communities that are suffering? When it comes to anything in the headlines in vis involving an Indigenous Australian, there can be a lot of emotions, a lot of irrationalism, and uh, a lot of polarisation, no matter what the issue is. And it can be very uncomfortable for a white person to speak up and have an opinion. And so we shouldn't be silent about these important issues, especially if our motive in airing an opinion is compassion and basic love for our fellow man, our neighbour. Uh, but it is helpful when we can have a fellow Indigenous person speak from the perspective of, of conservatives and right-thinking people in that community. Well, joining me today is uh, an Indigenous business leader in Australia, Warren Mundine. Warren, thank you so much for joining me in the studio today. Oh, th thanks for having us, David, and it's uh, great to catch up in the flesh. I think this is the first time we caught up in the flesh in an interview. In an interview, definitely, yeah. We've socialised at a few CPAC events, and on that note, congratulations on being announced as the chairman of CPAC Australia. Uh, look, I'm very uh, proud of that. Uh, of course, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a great gov a gathering of people who are working together uh, to get real outcomes, real results uh, for Australia and for the Australian communities out there, no matter what community they're in or ethnic background or, or whatever. It's, and, it's, and it's great to sit down and, and listen to people those, uh, you know, have those conversations, uh, the, the forums and the, and the conferences are a really good thing and it's, it, I smile sometimes when they, the other uh, people out there say oh this is a bunch of racists and everyone getting together and there's a, a nice group of uh, Aboriginal people who turn up as well. Yeah there are. <laughs> um, we'll talk more about uh, conservatism and uh, the work that Warren and, and CPAC are doing in just a moment but first uh, we've seen a lot of headlines in the last few weeks um, about the acquittal uh, through the justice system of the police officer accused of murdering an Indigenous man um, in the Northern Territory. Why don't you refresh us on the story and then share your perspective on what we should be taking from those headlines and, and that whole uh, incident, that whole experience. Well, it goes back even a week before uh, he was uh, shot um, Mr. Walker, uh, it, it, when police were, try, uh, were trying to uh, enforce a warrant to arrest uh, Mr. Walker, and uh, and he chased the police with an axe, and so they 
uh, the police uh, withdrew. That was the local police force there and they decided it had to have a special tactical force to come out and arrest him because this person was uh, was dangerous. Anyone comes out with an axe and tries to attack you, it is the obvious that they're dangerous. So they sent out the uh, the technical force from um, Alice Springs to to uh, to arrest him, and when you see the the body cameras of of both incidents, uh, you, you get a clear mind of the situation that they were going to go into was a very dangerous situation. And when you add the day before the medical clinic and the health workers had to leave that community because they were under threat uh, from uh, from the local people within that community then it was a dangerous situation. So, and so, look, everyone can have their own opinions about how things should be handled. But, you know, when you think about it, if you're going into a dangerous situation to arrest a person who has a long record of violence, then you've got to be prepared uh, for that. You're not work walking into just a normal neighbourhood and just picking up a person for a traffic fine or something like that. The ideal you <laughs> want them working for is everybody being safe. And that's correct. Everyone, and that was about the community that lives there too, mm. uh, which I'll talk about a little bit long. Uh, uh, is uh, and so they went there and they tried to arrest him, and he stabbed one of the police officers with a surgical scissors. And people say, well, you know, it was only a pair of scissors now, but you know, a pair of scissors, screwdriver, a lot of things can kill people. And yeah. and so uh, so the police reacted to that. He was shot uh, in self-defense and and even the court said that the court the prosecutor said that we're not concerned about the first shot uh, that was self-defense it was obvious because he was stabbed uh, it, they were concerned about the second and third shot now when uh, what happened then was he, he uh, then attacked the uh, his partner the police uh, partner that was there and was and was wrestling with him and, and he still had the the scissors in his hand so the police officer thought that he was uh, going to stab him as well, so they did the second and third shot. And that happened over 2.7 seconds, according to the trial. Wow. That, so that was very quick. So in my mind, uh, I don't think he should have been uh, uh, charged in the first place. It was obvious to me that it was self-defence. Uh, but anyway, uh, and then we all know the story that within four days of, of th that action, that uh, they, the, there was a police investigation by the detectives, but they felt they didn't have enough evidence or anything like that to charge uh, a police officer off. Uh, but there, you know, there was meetings in Darwin with the police commissioner and deputy police commissioner and the chief minister, and then the chief minister turned up in the community and he used the lines. You know, there, you know, there'll be there'll be outcomes for this. You know, and even if that was an innocent statement. It, it is not a very good view, and it looked like, and so people have come up now that it may have been political in, interference. I don't know about that, but there needs to be an inquiry in it. But the, it went to court. All the evidence was presented, the visual evidence as well as hearing the evidence, uh, uh, and the jury come out unanimously and, and dismissed the three charges that were put against him. One was murder, the serious uh, charge of murder, uh, mm. then manslaughter, and and then you know, a violent act. And he and the, the jury just found uh, he had nothing to answer for, so he's found not guilty. And I then actually, it, yeah. I actually feel really sorry for mm. police, and mm. and they've lost a lot of my respect over the last two years yeah. in some of the the clearly bad behaviour we've seen from them, yeah. where 
where they're not serving the people and they are being politicised. But I, I still want to respect them and like them and, and be grateful. And I just do feel so sorry for the police who put themselves in harm's way, like this officer has. They go into a, a known dangerous situation where they may not be going home to their family that night. And then, and then worse, they have to do the thing that I, I have to believe most police don't want to do, and that's to harm somebody else. And, and then after surviving that threat to themselves and, and being involved in, in the trauma of taking somebody else's life uh, unintentionally, then, then to face an attack from you, those people that are meant to have your back, the citizens you protect, the, the, the commanders that you obey orders from, and, and the government um, that employs you to be um, having them as your enemies, as well as the thugs on the street. Um, that's, that's something that you have to feel. You know, that, that's an unusual burden for any ordinary citizen to carry. Yeah, well, he, he, he was uh, uh, supported by the police association, supported by many members of the uh, Northern Territory Police, and that, so that, that, that was good that his comrades come to his aid. I think the letdown was uh, within the hierarchy, the senior police, and and also within the political hierarchy in that as mm. well. Uh, so that's where the issues arose out of this. And of course, look, I, I can understand people, you know, uh, a member of their community, and, and I, in, at the Walpuri people in Ewan Demille, I have some very close friends, uh, you know, friends who have come down from that area and stayed at my place. and and I've had their children come and stay at my place. Uh, so I fully understand the hurt and the upset there because I've just lost a person, a friend, a family member and so on. Uh, but, the re uh, but the reality is the police, I, to, me, to my thinking, did the right thing. And it's not only my thinking, the justice system has come out with the same conclusion. Now, deaths are tragic, you know, we're all mm. God's children. Uh, you, you don't want these things to happen, but in, in some cases they do happen, and uh, and this is one of those sad cases. The issue for me was not so much about the trial and everything, even though it does have raised some questions that need to be answered. Uh, it, it was it shone a light on what is happening and has been happening for many years. Uh, within some Aboriginal communities. Not all Aboriginal communities. I've been to some communities which are wonderful places, but there are some communities which is like a war zone. Mm. Uh, and you can't pick, you can't pick another a name for it. it uh, there are violence, uh, violence within those communities. We see, and, and from the reports about Yundamil and that, you've seen uh, health workers, you know, under threat. You've seen police under threat. You've seen a whole wide range of things that happened. And of course, when you look at it, you know, even though it was only 2.7 seconds for that incident to happen, and that's what the court records are saying, um, uh, I'm, it's afraid, Mr. Mr. Walker, this has been growing for decades within these communities, that you have uh, people with drug and alcohol problems, you have uh, domestic violence issues, you have a lot of violence within these communities. And, uh, and, and, and you look at the statistics of women, you know, 30 times more than, than the rest of Australia, 
to be, you know, uh, abused and beaten and... Um, 30 times. 30 times more that the chances are that to happen. And, the, and you look at children and in the same boat as well, you know, it's... How is, how is that not declared an emergency? That's a good question. That's what gets me. Everyone, the, the Black Lives Matter people, they really, really uh, were concerned about Black Lives Matter. And look, all of us agree, Black Lives Matter, every life matters. No matter black, white, green, pink, or print, or whatever. Uh, so we all agree on that. It's, it's that if you are, are going to highlight issues with, with uh, Black Lives Matter, then why isn't it that we're talking about the men and women and children in these communities that are suffering? Hmm. And their lives, you know, you're looking, you know, people raise the issue that about 500 people have been uh, died in custody since the, uh, the Royal Commission in Black Deaths in Custody. That has, uh, you know, and, and, and that's easily dealt with because most of those deaths have been, you know, heart attacks, old age, uh, violence from other prisoners within the system, and the list goes on. Uh, and, and there's only a very tiny, you know, you could probably count on one hand so there are questions about uh, what happened to those people. And, and you, know, uh, you know, like Mr Ward, for instance, he, he was uh, being transported to, um, uh, to, to from across the desert, the western desert of Western Australia, to, to go to court and the air conditioning broke down in the car. And, uh, and, and they didn't check on him for four hours. And the, and the bloke was roasted alive. There is that is a pro, what? that yeah that that is a process that you know that they had they've actually fixed that now. But you know there there's issues about that. There's a couple other issues that I know about as well. But that's just as I said, you count them in one hand. Yeah, uh, and, and that uh, is <laughs> that is scandalously appalling. Yes, and, and everyone I mean, admits you it. wouldn't treat a dog like that. That's right. You wouldn't put the dog in a, in the back of a you in the desert heat for four hours drive and not let it out and have a drink of water yes. every 30 to 60 minutes. Yeah, that's right. Just, th that, is, that is heartbreaking. Yeah. Were those people punished? Uh, they were disciplined. Uh, and, and then the, the good news about that only being disciplined, but they, they put a whole uh, new process in place. So in actual fact, the, um, when you're transporting prisoners now, uh, they, the, there's a camera in the back of the van that every 30 seconds checks on them. Uh, they, they then check on them every, uh, uh, every uh, half hour just to see if everything's welfare all right. Check. Yeah, they mm -hmm. do all these welfare checks all the time. So that's great. The air conditioning system now they, they've, they've worked on and, and they check it all the time. It has to be functioning, it has to be... And, and see, to... this is why <laughs> I reject the assertion that we have systemic racism. Yeah. Uh, it's not systemic. It's not baked in. We have failures in the system yeah. and then the system is fixed to eliminate any kind of system failure. So far from the opposite of systemic racism, we actually have systemic solution finding. Well, we've been blessed with these British institutions and the institutions that can uh, you know, make changes. Now, I, I always look at the United States in that, because they get, they've inherited the same institutions as we did. It, mm -hmm. We're a Westminster system while they're a presidential system, but the basic laws within those in the United States and Australia are, are virtually the same. And that, uh, you know, at the beginning, and this is why I always under, uh, understand about the United States, it's the great experiment. Because they said in the beginning, they said, all men are created equal, and they have these, these sovereign rights mm. as individuals. To protect them. Now, that wasn't perfect because they still had slaves in, 
but it was they then didn't listen to their own laws. <laughs> well, yeah, that's right. But but they because their it, values. because they had the val that that value there, they were able to be challenged. And so the anti-slave mo movement they come out and, and said, well, if you said everyone's equal, then how come we've got slaves? Now it took a bit of so slowly, bit by bit, states in the United States abolished slavery, and and it was only the southern states in, 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 in that still had slavery. But it around. was those British systems. Mm, yeah. In a world of slavery, mm. it was those British systems that first said this is wrong. And that's right. And this is one thing that people do not acknowledge. That If you listen to some of the arguments out there, you'd think that only British white people or Europeans mm. had slavery. And we know from history that you'd be very hard-pressed to find any society in the world in history that didn't have slaves. And we've still got, unfortunately, we've still got some slaves still today with some of the African and Arabic nations. And mm. that. So I think, I think people should be challenged over that thing. But you're right, because the British, well, Arthur Philip, when he came to Australia in 1788, the first, one of the first laws he put down, there will be no slaves in Australia. Yeah. Uh, then you look at, so he was a well of, uh, before his time, because then the British movement started, the anti, uh, well, they call it the Slavery Society, who still exists today, really. And they had campaigns against it. And so the British, at the time, this is, this is the thing that really, you know, I just go, wow, what a, gr a group of people. Uh, it cost them a fortune. It cost them a whole large part of their economy because they're depending on slaves in the West Indies to bring the sugar in and all that type mm. of stuff. But they still stood there and said, no, we cannot have slaves. And they abolished slavery. They not only abolished slavery, they got the British Navy going out and, 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 and trying to stop other places from having slavery. Yeah. Uh, and One uh, of my ancestors um, was taken slave oh, um, right. off the coast of Cornwall. Um, yeah. by a Muslim Corsair, a Muslim yeah. pirate ship. Mm. They, they made huge money. The Muslims figured out that mm. um, if they took Englishmen mm. for slaves, the King of England would pay for them back. Yeah. And so it was their income stream. They would buy slaves just yeah. to keep... <laughs> well, they North didn't want Africa, slaves, yeah. they just wanted more money from England. That's right. Well, even in the Marine uh, uh, Battle Hymn, they, they sing about that, where they went to, uh, to the to that North African, uh, you know, Western Mediterranean area to release people from slavery. The shores of Tripoli. Yeah, that's it. The line. That's the one. Yeah. Uh, and so they, so they had this, so they did that, even though it cost their economy a massive amount of money. Mm. And, uh, and, it, and it put them in hard times for a while, but they still did it because they had the institution to do, to do it, which was mm. the Westminster Parliament and the freedom of the vote and the freedom of people to do it. And then the United States they did the same thing. Each state started to pull the slavery down. Then eventually that, you know, they even went to a war to, to remove slavery and it you know, cost 400,000 um, American soldiers' lives. Mm. And I always remember uh, Frederick Douglass when he asked Lincoln to allow uh, the African Americans to actually serve in the military. You know, and Frederick said, Douglass was a black statesman. Yes, black statesman, a former slave as well, mm -hmm. uh, was uh, living in Massachusetts and a huge campaigner. And, and there was this interesting uh, friendship and conversation between Lincoln and him. And he said, "Look, he said all these white fellows are going down there again, white fellows, getting killed and injured, maimed, and." That to, to release our people from slavery, we want to be part of that. Mm. And so then they had they brought in what they call the colour regiments and that, to do that. So these institutions made that change because people were able to sit there and go, 
they're your word. You said we're all e equal, so and we're all equal under God. Now, that's what the words are saying. Mm -hmm. So therefore, we, we should have everyone free. And that's what happened. And then Martin Luther King used that too against the Jim Crow laws in, in the southern United States. The Jim Crow laws were laws which, uh, you know, made it hard for African-Americans to vote. You know, they had to go through some exam to get the voting right and all this type of stuff. And so they, and, and also the separations of, you know, this was a coloured area where you, you have to shop and eat and this is a non-coloured area where you, you can shop and eat. And so, so, they, so, and he used that again, he said, this, this is what we said as a people. And he said we because he considered himself a United States citizen. Yeah. He said, we as a people have said this. So we must make it work. And, that, and, and that's how they made changes. The same thing in Australia. You know, like, uh, you know, we had institutions, right? So we're, uh, we're in some states, New South Wales, Victoria, T South Australia, and Tasmania even, Aboriginals had the voting rights uh, because they were British subjects. So it was through those uh, institutions, where, uh, because it was Queensland and Western Australia who then took the vote away in 1890s, like, away from Aboriginal people. And then uh, in 1902, they made it difficult for Aboriginals to vote in the Commonwealth elections. It was still those institutions that fixed it. Even our legal system, even the judges will sit there and tell you that we're not mm. perfect. And that's why we have appeal courts. And that's why you can go to the high court and challenge uh, uh, decisions of the lower courts and challenge decisions of the legislator. Because the institutions have given us that power to do that. So my argument is, look, if, when you get humans involved in anything, it's not perfect. Right. Human beings are not perfect. Yeah. We do silly things sometimes, but the vast majority of us are, are, are good. You know, uh, there's only less than one percent who the who are the crazies really, and and we, we have a culture and a, in institutions that can correct those mistakes, and that's what happened. Voting rights. We got our voting rights fully in '62. Uh, we uh, and, and look what happened. Uh, we had the 67 referendum, and then within four years of that, we had an Aboriginal person in Senator Neville Bonner in, mm -hmm. in Parliament. And now the reputation in Parliament is, is going up and up, and and, uh, and we've got a minister in the federal Parliament. We've had a treasurer in Western Australia, and that, and that's because we have these great institutions that can correct those, correct those wrongs.